from Bayside Church International Victor Harbour. This is Chad Mansbridge. Good morning. I'm going to make this nice and brief. We're in the middle of a series called... Oh my Lord, come on. We're in the middle of a series called This Is Us. It is a series on identity. I need to stand up here now for the camera. It is a series on identity. This is us, built on the foundation text of Jesus in Matthew 16, where he says, Who do people say that I am? Jesus said, I know who you are. You're the Christ. And Jesus says back to him, You are blessed. Your name was Simon. Now it's Peter, which means a rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. It is a passage about identity. Now that you've seen who Jesus is, Peter, I'm going to tell you who you are. And now that you know who you are, I want to tell you about a community of people like you that I'm going to build together. Once we know who he is, we know who we are, and we know who y'all are called to be together. And that is a really important thing, to live secure in your identity. Our purpose in this series is to grow an understanding of who you are and whose you are and who we are because of him. And while there are many identities through the scriptures that we could use, in the natural, you have many identities. Same in the spirit, same theologically. You have many identities. We've just chosen the seven that we feel have particular pertinent relevance to us as a local church family so we can also talk a little bit about how we see ourselves as a local church. Every foundation of every local church is, or at least should be, Christ himself. But every local family looks different as the structure and the pillars of that unique family are put into place. And the point is, we need to embrace all the identities of who God is and also all the identities of who we are. And everyone said, first week... We looked at the fact that we are God's garden. God is a gardener and we are his garden. Do you remember looking at John 15, Jesus the vine and he the gardener and us the vine. How many of you like that? How many of you remember that that, uh, controversial verse in verse 2 that we unpacked beautifully and uh, God is a gardener. The second week we took a little bit of a break because Daryl and Belinda were with us but Daryl and Belinda ministered along the lines of the prophetic. Because we believe we are a prophetic people who are called to partner with heaven, to partner with God to bring heaven to earth and to manifest his kingdom. The last week, Jay was here as I was in Melbourne, and she spoke about being precious living stones built into the temple. Christ is their foundation. He is also the high priest of the temple, and we are precious and living and beautiful stones. Anyone here? Precious stones. And she looked at the verses in Peter and Isaiah, etc. And today, I'm going to focus on the reality that because Christ is our King, and because Christ is a commander, we are his ambassadors, and we are his army. We are an army of ambassadors. As you continue to read, In that Matthew 16 passage where Jesus says, now that you know who I am, this is who you are, and now you know who you are, I'm building a community of people called a church. He says this, that community will advance against the gates of death. And he says, whatever you loose in heaven will be done so on earth. Whatever you bind in heaven will be done so on earth. 
He speaks about them being a forward-moving, advancing community that administrates his government. Say the word ambassador. Have I lost you? You okay? Good morning. An ambassador is a person who lives by the law of a foreign government. I live under the rule and the jurisdiction of a government that is not necessary, that is represented here only because I'm here. An ambassador lives in a foreign land and lives under the rule and jurisdiction and therefore represents that government. You're an ambassador because whilst you live on planet Earth, you are ultimately of heaven. You are citizens of heaven, Philippians says. And so whilst you're on this planet, you are a representative of heaven on earth and you live under the jurisdiction and the rule of reign of God's heavenly government. We also live in a world system. When I'm talking government, I'm not talking about human government like the local council, state government, federal government type of structures. Okay? We live in a world system that operates a certain way. Survival of the fittest. Rewards the greedy. The loudest get their own way. Manipulation works. Okay? This world has a system by which it is governed and works and operates. It is the, quote, ways of this world. Not necessarily the ways of the planet, but it is the ways of the world of men. Words create worlds. It is the ways of the world. We live by another government. We operate under those rules. We under, under, uh, operate under those jurisdictions. And our job as an ambassador is to represent that government in this world. So when I say world, I can mean planet Earth. And when I say world, I also mean the world of men or world of mankind <coughs> in which we are living. Does that make sense? So you're an ambassador. You live under the government of heaven and you represent that government. And secondly, we are an army. And the job of an army is not just to represent a government, but to advance that government. It is to advance, advance, the, that jurisdiction of the government you represent. So when we send an ambassador to another nation, their job is just to stay in the little plot of land that they've been given. But an army, when sent to a foreign nation, in physical terms, is not just, they are sent to advance that kingdom while that they are there. So we are both. In spiritual sense, we represent heaven's government and we are called to advance heaven's government and reign everywhere we go. And it's arguable <coughs> that the picture of the church as an army is arguably the least embraced picture in the current church of Australia today. Possibly. Some of you have roots in a church called the Salvation Army. Jay does. Birthed and bred on a mindset and an understanding that they were a company of people called together to, for, to advance the cause of a heavenly government and to do so in practical and spiritual ways. I'm not sure how much of the church today really strongly embraces this picture, but it is who you are. And the reason you're an army is because Jesus is a commander-in-chief. And the reason that you are an ambassador is because God is the king of a government that is the greatest government in existence. What does this teach us about God and what does this teach us about ourselves? Do you remember, why don't you turn to Exodus 15? Exodus 15. 
Exodus 15. The other week I opened with Deuteronomy in the Song of Moses. Do you remember that? Song at the end of Deuteronomy, the longest prophecy of Moses, really important, really depressing, but really important, okay, where he sings at the end of his life a prophetic song over the people of Israel who came out of, the, came out of Egypt in the 40 years later, and he sings a song over them. And that prophetic song sets the, basically sets forward the history of God's people for, from decades and decades and generation and generation to come. But this is Moses' first song. In Exodus 15, it is a happy song. Deuteronomy 32, a little bit depressing because Moses saw it was going to come. But in Exodus 15, happy song, they've just come out of the Red Sea. And this is the first song recorded in biblical history. And it's not by David. All right? We always think about David as being the singing worship leader. Well, you know what? Moses worshipped in song. And he sung this song to the Israelites and to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Wow, that sounds like a, a bit of an aggressive song already, doesn't it? The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a... Not a warrior. A what? A warrior. A warrior. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. How many of you ever got up in the morning and said, Father, I thank you. You're a warrior. First recorded song. It pray, and describing, describing who God is, he's a warrior that destroys the enemy of his people. Pharaoh's chariots and his armies held into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depth like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. How many of our songs uh, at church typically sing about God shattering enemies? Not that culturally... Uh, strong is it at the moment no well here it is in your greatness of your majesty you threw down those who opposed you you unleashed your burning anger and it consumed them like stubble we could go on we could go on the fact is moses's first song is a song that declares our god is a warrior you turn to the end of your bible and the last picture one of the last pictures of jesus we see in the book of revelation chapter 19 john saw heaven open and behold a white horse the one sitting on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war silent night <laughs> you know jesus is the prince of peace and he is the one who makes war flip verse 12 his eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. He has a name written that no one actually knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dripped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. From his mouth, sorry, the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen and white and pure, were following him on white horses. That is my Jesus. 
That is my Jesus. Meek and mild, yes, when he needs to be. But he is majestic in power. He is mighty and the armies of heaven follow him. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron, tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I love that scripture because it proves that Jesus has a tattoo. <coughs> He doesn't just have King of Kings and Lord of Lords on his robe. It's written on his thigh. Okay, on his thigh. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay, there you go. That one's taken. You can't get that one, okay? Here's one of the last pictures we see of Jesus in the scripture. A mighty warrior. The Lord is his name. The great governor, king and commander King of kings and Lord of lords. That is the God you serve. That, how he, that is one of the ways he has chosen to reveal himself. And if we do not embrace that aspect of him, my goodness, we are missing out and we're at risk of actually embracing another Jesus. Because that is him. It's not the fullness of who he is, but it's a significant aspect of who he is. That is my king. And so Jesus can come and teach his disciples how to pray. And he says, listen, I want you to say our Father in heaven. And that is a beautiful revelation. And some of you, you know that in the last number of years, the, 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 a core revelation that's come to you, and you know I teach this, one of the core revelations is that God being a loving Father who is above it all, he is spiritual, he is perfect, he is my loving Dad. But then the prayer goes on. Father in heaven, revered, holy, honoured, esteemed, hallowed, be your name. You've got a name and it's awesome and I will revere it and I will honour it and I will respect it. You have a kingdom and I want that kingdom to come. You have a will and I declare that that will needs to be done and I want it to be done on earth because I know it's being done in heaven but I want to see that will and that kingdom being done more and more. We started this year saying that this was, we were entering into a season where the word grow would be really important to us. And the first thing I said, remember, is that a good healthy tree needs to grow down. And we need to grow down and put our roots in not only the love of God, but also the Lordship of Christ. Ephesians 3, may your roots go down into his love. Colossians 2, as you received him as Lord, continue to be rooted in him. We say that God is love and we say amen with every aspect of my being. Lord, please reveal more of that to me. And with no sense of contradiction, no sense of contradiction, because God exists in perfect, perfect harmony and oneness, I say God is love and I say God is Lord. And as I want you to reveal your love to me more, I also want you to reveal your Lordship to me more. Not because they're contradictory, but because they're, because they're wonderfully complementary. Jesus is Lord.
And it is vital that we embrace and establish ourselves in that key revelation of who Christ is. Chad, what's your point? This is us. We are an army of ambassadors. And the first point is this. What that picture shows us is who Christ is. He is our king. He is our commander. He is the leader of the government and the jurisdiction under which we submit our lives. He is Lord. And everybody said... The second thing this shows us is that the very picture of being an army is that it shows us that there is an alternate kingdom. An illegitimate kingdom. An opposition government. That there, in fact, is an enemy. And strictly speaking, and I'm I'm happy to go with this, very happy to go with this, the enemy does not have a kingdom. Because I don't want to give him enough credit to call him a king. Okay, so I'd rather say he has the dominion. He has a, he's like an illegal squatter. That's not your kingdom. That's a dominion. I don't care how many crowns you think you want to put on your head. I'm not going to recognize them, okay? So it's a dominion. We have a God who has a kingdom, but our enemy has a dominion, a jurisdiction in which he does operate. And we know this. John 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life to the full. First Peter 5 verse 8, Be self-controlled and alert because you have an enemy. You have an enemy who is a devil that prowls around like a roaring lion. Ephesians 6 verse 2, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Again, just communicating, we have an enemy. 2 Corinthians 10 5, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Take thought every captive to make it obedient. There has always been an enemy. One of the first stories we get introduced to in the scripture, just painting the picture, there is an opposing enemy, which is why God reveals that aspect of his nature. To know he is king, he is commander, and he is in charge. I don't want to speak too much about the enemy. It's just enough to acknowledge there are opposing forces. What the third thing that this teaches us is who we are. If there is a kingdom and we're an army of ambassadors, then we are his loyal servants and obedient soldiers committed to the cause and the call of his, Christi- of his kingdom. Jesus, as the model Christian, came to both to serve, which is how this kingdom operates best, by serving and being fully submitted to God. Let me remind you the difference between an army and an ambassador. An ambassador, ambassador lives by the rules of that government for themselves. I represent and I live under the jurisdiction of that government. And an army takes that government influence everywhere they go. We are an army of ambassadors. And how practically we go about living out this identity is something we could spend many, many series on. And you've all got your favourite verses. Oh, he's going to turn to Ephesians 6. Yes! Come on! Shield of faith, sword of the Spirit, put on the armour of God. 
Oh, turn to 2 Corinthians 10. That's my favorite. We demolish every argument that sets itself up. We fight with weapons that are not of this world. We love Revelation 12. It's one of my favorites where it talks about the enemy being hurled down and it says those who defeated him, defeated him by the blood of the Lamb, word of their testimony and not loving their lives so much that they were willing to die. So by humility. They actually defeated him by their willingness to go all out for God. That's a great verse too. As I was trying to go to bed last night, Chad, how do I, Lord, how do I address this? I don't think I'm the Lord. Don't worry. How do I address this? And I just felt reminded of that one simple verse when Paul wrote to Timothy. When he said, this is who you are. Of all the weapons you've been given to fight a battle, your mouth, your thoughts, scripture, faith, readiness of peace, all those different things we could come up with. This is the way Paul put it to Timothy. He said, you've been given a spirit. You've actually been made a weapon yourself. In the new creation... You were not given a spirit that is a spirit of fear, but you were given a brand new spirit of love, dunamis power, and of a sound mind, self-control. The word comes from the word sozo, something. So it's a fullness of the ability to be able to think and to operate balanced and clearly. That is who you are. Your greatest weapon, as it were, is yourself. You are kitted out as who you are in the new creation. And the weapons we fight with, because we need we do need to say something practical. If there's anything I could leave with you, because I need to leave with three points, you know that. One of the things we say often as a church, one of the three key words that mean a lot to us in this church family is that we are people who are carriers of his love, God's truth, and God's life. And if that's your takeaway today, that's what I'd love your takeaway to be. We are an army of ambassadors. We represent another government. We have an enemy, but whatever, we have a king. I'm going to leave with that revelation of who he is. I'm going to live with a revelation of who I am. I'm a member of an army and an ambassador. That's who we are together. What do we physically do? What are the weapons of our warfare? They are many and varied. But I think three big ones I'd like to leave you with. We have love, we have truth, and we have life. And one of the best ways to advance God's dominion, to advance God's kingdom, is number one, love. Because that's who he is. God is love. And you can do that very practically. You can do that with this weapon here. Joyce Meyer, one of the best weapons you have is right under your nose. You can do that with here. And you can also just do it from here. Because love is a spirit thing. How many of you know you can just walk into a room Sometimes like yesterday, sitting with someone in a hospital, just watch their spouse almost go. 
And we can be talking about cars and we can be talking about all other things just to distract the mind and just to be there present and consciously from here go, Lord, I just, I just release your love over this gentleman right now. I just release your love. You don't have to always say it. You can just be a, you're just a carrier of God's tangible and sometimes intangible but very real love. Love is, your, is one of our greatest weapons. It is a kind answer that turns away wrath. Says the Proverbs. Love's one of your greatest weapons. And his kingdom is a jurisdiction of love. Love, truth. Truth is a powerful weapon and you need to have love to go hand in hand with that, as you know, from Ephesians 4. But truth is a powerful weapon because it is knowing truth that sets people free. It is not loving to constantly pander to someone if they are wrong and you can see that that wrong is actually causing them harm. This is a whole other private discussion we can have about people living in a... That's saying, yes, okay, go Chad. Truth is really important because it is the admission of reality. It is the admission of truth that is one of the most loving things to be able to give to someone. Yeah? Truth and life. One of the best gifts you have, because one of the enemy's greatest tools and one of the things that his kingdom, his dominion is marked by, is death and destruction. You are a life giver and you are a life bringer. You carry life with you. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth and the life and his living within you. Do I think Christians should be the life of the party? Do I think that non-extroverts can be the life of the party? Well, I believe that all of us can be life bringers and all of us can be life givers. And some of you introverts are the best at that because you notice things those extroverts don't. We are all life bringers and you have the greatest life source within you. So let that river flow. All right? You, you understand there's so many things I could talk about here. But from your mouth, from your hands, from your spirit, from your intention, both in undercover operations and very overtly, my friends, let's bring a dominion. Let's bring the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Let's be carriers of his love, carriers of his truth, because the devil's a liar, and carriers of life everywhere we go. Can you do that? Is that alright? You're an army. Yes? Sometimes you need a roar. Sometimes where others can hear you. Sometimes not. Sometimes you just need to be peaceful and confident and secure in who you are. Yeah? But you bring the government of God wherever you go. Put your hand on your heart. Holy Lord, I acknowledge you as King. Jesus, you are my God and I will praise you. You are my King, eternal, immortal, invincible. 
And I say, let your kingdom come. And more and more, I want to see your will be done. Lord, as king right now, is there anything you want to speak to my heart? Is there any instruction you want to give me? Okay, that's enough time. I think some of you just heard a whisper. Lord, I will obey. Father, I thank you for empowering me to be a greater representative and ambassador for your good name. I thank you for calling me to be part of a company who carry your love and your truth and your life. And I open my life to having that pour out of me more and more and more. I thank you for today. I want to step out on a limb here. Is there someone over here that's really whose sister is going through something that just needs the advancing of the kingdom to break in their life? Someone who's really the sister is really struggling at the moment, like that's a grief in your heart. Anyone sort of in this space? You have a sister? Yeah? No one else? How about, George, you two just put... Dan, can you just put your hands on both those shoulders there just in front of you? Dad, I thank you for love, truth and life breaking into those sisters' situations. Thank you for an advancing of your kingdom. Thank you for thwarting enemies' plans and your government breaking in and bringing peace. The God of peace will crush the enemy's tactics in these women's lives. How many of you have just recently had a series of Oh my goodness, just not another thing. You know, sometimes you go through times like that, but you've like been through, oh God, this is like, like could another thing go wrong type of deal? And don't all put your hands up. I can't, surely it can't be for everyone. But do you, um, yeah, how many people just identify like that? Like, that's been me this last, oh good Lord. Okay, keep your hand up, just keep your hand up. Someone just put a hand on the shoulder and then put your hand down. Mark, can you girls just turn around? Glenn, put your hand on that shoulder and then put your hand down. Marlene, put your hand down now. Anyone else not got a hand on you? Okay. <laughs> um, we agree for these people together that that sequence of events has finished. That sequence is over. And uh, Lord, we, yeah, we thank you for your order and your peace. That sequence has come to an end. This, today it finishes. 
I thank you that every good lesson to be learned will be embraced through these challenges. And I thank you for the strength to endure. Why don't we just right now just pray wisdom and strength over these people. Wisdom to know what to do and what not to do. And the strength to carry it out, to carry it through. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Holy, holy. something how about you do that I think I'm done there's um I can't remember the psalm like I said before sometimes our our modern church songs don't really represent Bible church songs very well but there are songs in the Bible about you know smashing people against rocks and stuff so we probably you know not not every lyric we can embrace but um but there is one that says with every beat of the tambourine, you bring destruction on the enemy. There's just this reminder that while worship can be incredibly romantic, it can be beautiful, it can be gentle, it can be a soft thing, that there's actually nothing the enemy detests more than God being the one that's getting the attention. And God being the one that's getting the adoration and the appreciation and the thanks. And that's one of the reasons that worship is actually an act of, quote, warfare, whether it's sung aggressively or not. Sometimes it's just for you. Because the enemy's, you know, enemy is this, this brain of ours, overthinks. And sometimes it's just getting our attention up. But I think that's probably a good way for us to finish with a warrior song that these guys are going to know the perfect one to sing. Come on, let's do that. Let's just... Uh, this has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.